0: Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Let's take a look at the trailer for Mud. There are things you can get away
1: with in this world, and there are things you can't.
2: Galen said it's been here a while. He thinks the last flood did it. There it is. Who else knows
1: about this? Just me and Galen. Good. This boat's ours.
2: Someone's here. What? Someone's living in our boat. You know
1: that guy? I've never seen him before. What'd you say, boys?
2: You got crosses in your heels?
1: Nails, shaped like crosses.
2: What
1: for? Ward off evil spirits. I'm waiting on my girlfriend. She got these birds, tattoos on her hands here. Nightingales. Good luck, birds. I just can't spend the rest of my life running away with him. She don't care about nobody but herself. you stuck off in that island because of her. Ma'am, have
0: you seen this man? No, sir. Son, have you?
1: What do you do? This river brings a lot of trash down You gotta know what's worth keeping and what's worth letting go. You never said your name. Mud. You can call me Mud. I'm gonna try getting this boat in the water. It's my best shot. I made a list of things we gonna need. You boys need to watch yourself. What Mud's into is something you don't want to be involved in. I got a lot of folks looking for me.
2: Hear me, He's not dangerous. Sounds like a state troopers think differently.
1: We're gonna pray for the death of the man who killed my son. Y'all been good to me. You're the only friends I've got out here. You did it for her? To protect her. Don't expect any help from me. We got too much riding on this thing. You know you don't know him, right? What have you been doing? Everything you told me was a lie. No! Hell of a thing, ain't it? Hell of a
0: thing. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this evening's guest moderator, Eugene Hernandez from the Film Society of Lincoln Center. And tonight's guests, Matthew McConaughey and Jeff
2: Nichols. All right, welcome. Look at this crowd. Got people standing. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Jeff, you're very popular. I know, it's just for me. Thanks for coming. (laughs) Oh, right, sorry. Matthew McConaughey. He is very popular. (laughs) He is. And getting more popular. (laughs) And will be even more after this movie. Um, I know probably most of you haven't seen it yet because it hasn't opened yet. Uh, But is there anybody here who actually has seen Mud? Anybody? Anybody? So this event is actually a bit of a preview, and um, those listening in on the podcast on iTunes will be able to uh, listen to it, and folks here can listen to it again after they see the movie. So what we'll do today is talk a little bit about it. We'll see a couple of clips shortly and get a little bit of a taste of the movie. I was fortunate enough to see it um, almost exactly a year ago at the Cannes Film Festival, so I can only imagine this time last year you must have been just racing to get it finished.
0: Uh, yes, you know, um, we, it, I don't remember a, it wasn't that pressurized of a situation, you know, but now I'm just dying to get it released. So, <laughs> you know, it's the different end of the spectrum.
2: So let's give folks, um, both those who are here and those who are listening in, let's give them a little, um, preview of the film. Why don't you just describe a little bit about the film and, and, and as you describe it, if you could talk a bit about where, uh, where the film came from. Background. Sure. Well, you know, It's always hard for me to
0: talk about my films because um, I really write on two different tracks. As far as plot goes, um, which is what the majority of people who go to movies, that's what they're concerned about. Um, You know, it's about two 14-year-old boys who find a man hiding out on an island in the middle of the Mississippi River. Um, And they're not sure of his intentions, they're not sure why he's there, um, and danger ensues. But um, really, when I was first thinking about this story, I was thinking about a getaway film and this guy hiding out on an island, but I kind of like to turn things on their head a little bit, and I thought about a, a different way to get into a getaway film it would be to have it all from the point of view of this 14-year-old boy. And so suddenly the story started to, to develop through his eyes, and his plot line and his storyline and his character really started to um, develop for me. And before you know it, you know this film about... A getaway has morphed into a coming-of-age film about first love and heartbreak and male mentors and um, our initiation through adolescence
2: so yeah so why was uh, picking up on that why was Matthew McConaughey the right character for that role for this this loner guy who's on this island why him
0: well, I can tell you my uh, initial thought. You know, I, I thought about this uh, idea back in college, back in the late '90s, and you know, sometimes ideas just they hit you in the head like a sack of rocks. And this was a man hiding out on an island in the middle of the Mississippi River. It just it came out just like that. And I was thinking about people I'd like to hang out with on an island, uh, and and Matthew McConaughey came up. Um, I you know I'd, I'd recently seen Lone Star probably again and again because I really love that film and I was thinking about a guy who could carry a myth on his shoulders um, an American legend uh, on his shoulders um, but in a realistic way and I felt like he did that in Lone Star um, thanks to his performance and thanks to John Sayles um, but uh, I felt like it just made sense and, and then I carried that with me over the next decade while I was writing the film and Luckily, when it came time, he he answered my phone call. And, and
1: and you mean if you were fourteen, if you were Ellis, and you found Matthew McConaughey? No, on I, I want to hang, out, hang with out with you out on an island.
0: I personally want to hang. I'm I'd go tomorrow if you want to go hang out. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, no, I mean seriously, like we it, hung out on an island. We did. We did, and it yeah. was awesome. Um, Sam Shepard was there too. It was yeah. made it even better. But, um, you know, there there is actually a, a point in the script when it's up to the boys to decide whether or not they return. Um, he has no control over them. He can't force them back. And so I needed someone that someone would literally want to go back and see, even though he's kind of dirty and crazy and says strange things and, and you know, definitely has a dangerous feel to him. Um, you want to go back. You're interested. and And Matthew has that has that draw
2: well let me ask matthew for the sort of the flip side of that same the flip side of that same question um jeff's a guy uh who is at kind of the promising start a, of an exciting career he's really at the beginning um and and has um has done some really great work already but tell me about the flip side of your interest in this your interest in jeff you're interested in this character your interest in the script i mean you don't certainly you certainly don't have to take risks on you know on, on younger directors, but there must have been something that, that struck you so that you would want to spend time with this guy. well,
1: as you said, Jeff had two quality projects preceding mud, which stood on their own, which was a you know a nice resume to lay out in front because everyone it can be great in a room anyone when seen when take shelter
2: shotgun stories two really terrific films um, but this this script
1: was something like I'd never read before and then in meeting him, I saw not only what you usually see with the writer-director, if they're, if they're young and they've just done it a couple of times or maybe it's the first time. You can hear and understand usually why they wrote it, but you, you don't always come away from that, that meeting understanding why they should direct it. Um, it was very clear that, that, that he was going to be the director and there was, he was the DNA of the, of the project, but also he was not talking to me as a writer at that point. He was talking to me as a, as a director. He talked about... Um, the, you know, the, his different approaches, which made a lot of sense. It was, uh, uh, came out of that meeting feeling very confident this guy had a complete control of this. And actually, I was more dazzled after the meeting than before. And so I already came in excited about the project, but came out of it and going, again, a little bit of, who do I want to go spend on, uh, that many months on an island? Who do I want to go a year later and be places like this talking about the film? Those decisions come into it a little bit, but mainly it was... Uh, a guy who had very much control of what he had written, why he had written it, how he was going to direct it, and um, and I've said this before, and I love to repeat it. There's been no film, and I think I've done 40 something, where we shot more of exactly what was on the page. That is what you see on the screen, and I don't. It's, what's cut? Besides that one little half scene that you and there, I are, there are a we, few
0: things that are cut, but um, yeah, y- there's one scene that you're not in that's cut.
1: Yeah. <laughs> there we go.
2: That was, That's why you that was the
1: other thing. I said, okay, here's the deal, though.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's contractual.
2: Let me ask you to, to elaborate on something, Matthew, and that is you said you were really dazzled by this guy. So what is it about a, a filmmaker like Jeff, what it, what, or maybe what is it about filmmakers that, that can dazzle you? What, what kind of conversations what do you I, have with what them? What I mean by dazzling is
1: that it was, and I've said this before, Jeff knows what he knows and doesn't know what he doesn't know. He knows a lot more than he doesn't know. But if he doesn't know something, he says, let me, let me think about that, I'll get back with you. And he always does. Um, what was dazzling is that he wasn't trying to be dazzling. What was dazzling is that the guy who was sitting there was gonna direct this thing, this script was his DNA. He was obviously, the, and you could tell why he wrote it. You see this movie, you know a lot about who the, he is as a man, independent of being a filmmaker. Yeah. You do, and I mean, that as a compliment. Yeah. And um, he is who he is, and, 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 you know, he put this up there, and those, they're his words, it's his story, and that's the man you're, you're working with as well. And so that's, again, that's not always the case. There can be, I've been in many rooms where I hear the pitch, but it's not the person I'm talking to. He's talking about what they're going to be, you know, which is not the case with what, with what it was with Jeff.
2: Jeff, where'd you, how'd you get your start? For folks who may not have seen uh, shotgun stories a uh, bunch of years ago and take shelter a couple of years back, Tell us how you got, uh, and those listening in here, tell us how you got started as a filmmaker.
0: Um, I had a pretty straightforward trajectory. Uh, I came straight out of high school and went to uh, North Carolina School of the Arts. It's a small art school in Winston-Salem. Um, and yet a lot great. of filmmakers have come out of there. Especially <laughs> yeah, David recently. Gordon Green, Craig Zobel, uh, Danny McBride, Paul Schneider. Um, uh, the list kind of goes on and on, and beyond just the filmmakers that have come out of it, like half the people that worked on this movie, my cinematographer, who I've worked f- with on all three films, and if if you see some more clips, you'll see, you know, his work as well. Um, he's kind of he's my go-to guy, and, and we went to school together. Um, but you know, I grew up I grew up in the suburbs of Little Rock, and Little Rock's a it's a small city. Um, you drive five minutes, and you're in the middle of nowhere. And you know, I got this nice combination of of growing up in that I was in the suburbs, I was going to the movie theaters every weekend. Uh, I could open the paper any week and have seen every movie twice. But when I went to visit my grandparents in this really small town called Alzheimer, I mean, uh, it you don't get more rural than this. But I didn't feel like I was from a small town. I was an observer of small towns. And so I had kind of an outsider's perspective, but I had insider's access. Um, and I kind of always grew up with a with a love of, of these places and these people and their stories and their voices. And, you know, at the time, I didn't know that was those were the foundations of, of the kind of storyteller I would want to become. But with hindsight, I realize now how important that was. So, yeah, you know, came out of high school, went to film school. Um, it was a good school because it was like a trade school. They taught us how to make movies. They didn't bother with too much else. Um, and... Uh, And I came out very determined uh, to make a film. A good friend of mine named David Gordon Green made a movie called George Washington uh, while I was in film school. And I used that as as kind of a business model, as kind of a model for the first independent film to make. And and I really used that as a model uh, behind Shotgun Stories, not so much creatively or aesthetically, but just as a business model. So, and then Shotgun Stories kind of started, really started the process.
2: Mm Very good. Switching gears, um, Matthew, I think, is it possible that, I was just out in Austin and they had an anniversary screening of Dazed and Confused. How is it possible that's been 20 years? You mentioned having made it has 40 been 20 movies. 20 years,
1: yeah. <laughs> all right. Dazed all and right, Confused, right, folks have right. seen that?
2: Yeah. Does it feel weird to think that it's been 20 years and to have this movie that you made the start of your career? No, it yeah. feels
1: about 20 years ago. <laughs> it does. But, it, but, but that movie's got such a wonderful life. It feels 20 years ago, yet it feels like yesterday because it's still live. It's still very present. And in the two generations after it was made, um, everybody continually, I still run into people that are like, I know that guy or I know that girl. And this is someone who was in high school last year. You know, So those, those characters are still... Running around, everyone and that, has those similar last. That of character might
2: still be in high school, actually. I'm I sure.
1: hope he is. Yeah, and I think he's doing a little late night DJ <laughs> at home. Rick thinks he's got a few kids, all girls. I think he's probably right.
2: You've had, um, you've had, and your fans here will, will no, no doubt agree, um, an exceptional past year, year and a half or so, really, really, terrific year of um, an array of performances. Um, I mean. How's it been for you from the other end of it? I mean, you've had such a diverse group of characters you've played, and and had a really exceptional year. I mean, congratulations Thank on you. that. Thank you.
1: It's 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 been the most exciting and, and self-satisfying time in my life as, as far as career goes, for yeah. sure.
2: What happened? What what did there's, something? There's click? really
1: not. And I've been asked this question a lot, and I've thought about it a lot. There's not a hinge moment of consciousness that I came and made a big decision to say, I am, was doing this, now I will do that. Um, I also don't, I, I don't understand, I don't know how to really make decisions like that. Did I I started off saying, no, let's not do these certain things that I was doing because I feel like I can do them tomorrow. And that was really the, the initiative of it, was I'm gonna, I wanna, let's look into some things that I don't feel like I can do tomorrow, some things that scare the shit out of me a little bit, some things that make me go, I don't know what. I don't know how to do this, but it turns me on, and I want to dive in and figure out how, how and come up the other side. So I took some time off, and I had a great reason to take time off. I had a family to start, so I was being a father. That's so a pretty good way to spend your time. And, you know, as the world works, some, I started attracting some th- these things, and I got the call from the William Friedkin, Friedkin Lee Daniels, Steven Soderbergh, Jeff Nichols, uh, Letter. And so... They it revolved and it came back to me and I read these things and I was like, you know what, let's go do it. And I did them. And then the other thing is I've been very fortunate. I've been a part of these have all been substantial films on their own as, as films, whether you like them or not. They have real identity. The films do. And the, and the directors all were very specific in their own identities. Um, there's no guarantee. There's plenty of what you could call good performances that we've never seen by people, by great actors out there that are on the cutting room floor because the movie wasn't worth a damn. Mm-hmm. So I got very fortunate to come out in films that, had, that came out and at least got seen to some capacity and were, were good films in their own right, whether you liked them or not.
2: And we're going to watch a clip in a second. Um, but for those who are just listening in and can't see you, you're looking very trim. Uh, it's for a role, I guess. You were you, you truly trimmed down for a movie you're shooting I'm now. on
1: my way back up, though, yeah. No, I'm... I'm <laughs> I right? was trim. That right? one's coming out later in November. I'm,
2: I'm on my way back up now.
1: Yeah, it's for, it's for something I'm working on right now in uh, New Orleans called True Detective. Yeah. Okay.
2: Let's, uh, let's take a look at our first clip from, uh, from Mud. And, uh, Jeff, do you want to set up anything, or should we look at it and then, and then talk about it? Um, you talked about the boys uh, f- kind of finding this, this guy. Yeah,
0: I think, I think given that little scenario, you guys should be all right. But I'll watch it, and then I'll explain something later. If, okay, let's if take a look at me. our
2: first clip from Mud. Uh
1: Where do you think he's at? Let's try the boat. Looks may camp. You think he's up there? What are you doing? Trying to never sleep in the same spot twice. What you got there? I brought you some food. Here, take it. Oh, you boys. I was gonna try around a trot line this afternoon, see where that got me. Green mm. beans never taste so good. Mm. Why don't you have that pistol? Protection. Y'all need to be afraid of me. got two ways to protect myself out here, this shirt and this pistol. And their fierce powers work in the world, boys. Good, evil, poor luck, best luck. Men, we gotta take advantage where we can. Y'all coming?
2: As a follow-up to that scene, Jeff, maybe you could give us a little bit of, a, of an idea of working with, um, finding and working with these kids um, and the relationship you developed on screen for them, with them, um, with Matthew. Tell sure. me. Sure. Um,
0: you know, it's always... I don't know about always. It's the first time I've done it. It's scary when you write a piece that, that hinges on the performance of two 14-year-old boys. You kind of just have to write it and have faith that they're going to be there when you go out looking for them. And in this case, uh, I can speak really highly of them because it it's not my, wasn't my doing. They're, they're incredible. You know, they, um, they did the job, and then some. Um, out of the two boys, one of them was in a film before. He was in a film called The Tree of Life by Terrence Malick, and he was the youngest of the three boys. He's not in it a ton, but if you see it, the parts that he's in are, are really great. You could tell there was an energy there. Of course, when I cast him, I hadn't seen it yet, uh, one of our producers is Sarah Green, who produced *The Tree of Life*, and she said, "You know, you got to meet you got to meet Ty Sheridan." And when I when I met him, like I said before the film came out, I just walked in and he he looked like Ellis, everything I had uh, in my mind for him. And both these kids, you know, uh, Ty is from East Texas, uh, a town called uh, Palestine, and um, and the other boy, Jacob Laughlin, is is from a town in Arkansas very small. To be honest, I don't even know the name of it, and I grew up in Arkansas. Um, And so, I think that was the first thing, in terms of where we were looking. We didn't go do, you know, casting calls out in L.A. or New York, looking for the kids that have been in movies before. We really looked for kids that were from this place. I mean, they knew how to run a boat. They knew how to, you know, drive a dirt bike. Um, And we didn't have to show them any of that. They could do it better than I could. And so, you know, the first step was just finding kids that fit. Their accents were beautiful, you know, just natural, and not just accent. Accent's not just the way your voice sounds; it's actually the way you form sentences, um, the way you, you 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 put words together. Um, and they both had that. Now, a lot of that was baked into the script, but but I needed a kid who who understood that from the beginning and and didn't have to rework his voice in order to fit that. So we went to the source uh, for these for these kids, but. Beyond that, you know, they showed up, and I, I happened to find, and this is just luck, I happened to find two kids who were so intuitive that they understood the subtext of all the scenes that were going on, and that's things that, that, that adult actors have trouble with, you know, and and these kids, they just got it. So, you know, we chose wisely, but we lucked out, too.
2: Good. Matthew, when you're working on on a on a movie set, just to, just to sort of understand the filmmaking process for me. When you're working with a director who's making his third feature, you're working with kids who've made a couple movies, some of them, or made at least you know, at least one big movie. Do you, is an actor like you who've, had, who've been working, who've made 40 movies, are you forced into the role of a teacher or an educator in any way, or is that really the director's role to kind of modulate that, and you're just kind of, you're kind of solo looking at your <clears throat> own your no, I own mean, role. Not, not, not
1: literally. Um, do I show up with more experience than a lot of people? Sure, but basically, if anyone was out of line or looking how to get in line, the best way I think they can see how to do that is by watching it done that way. Um, you know, I show up prepared, and he shows up prepared. You you, you just you get into it because you can sit around and talk about how we're going to do this. I don't know what how the oh my gosh first spent no. You show up and you go, man, I'm Mud, you're Ellis, there's the director, you're Neckbone, we're in the Mississippi, this is where we are. Isn't this fun? Most people get to do this for one night on October 31st. We get to do it for one and a half months. So every day, and let's just do that. Um, and that's part of the fun of what we get to do. So as far as uh, imagination goes, that's, it's, it's fun Where It was fun for me to work with two younger men because we are playing make-believe. And our job is to make them believe. Yeah. Um, and so they didn't need, there wasn't, we didn't talk about things. We didn't sit there and talk about process. Yeah. go do it. And I think one of the big advantages when you see children that, that do pull it off like these two did, they're not thinking about it. They're not thinking about, oh, this is that shot. I need to look over there and give the Olin Mills smile like mom told me to do on Easter that day. No, it, they're, <laughs> They're, they were. You, you want to get them out of their head. You don't want them thinking. Neck bones, reactions, and his humor, and his smart-ass comments. Talk about accent. It's not just above the neck. It's body language that comes. How he cocks his knee when he says a smart-ass comment. You can't really teach that. So, the the, the challenge is, you're saying lines that somebody wrote. So you're not just really going, they're not going out there just being themselves. They have to understand the, the subtext of the scene. Say lines that somebody else wrote, but make it feel like it's theirs right away. Right.
2: right. You, you talked a second ago about the fun, the make-believe. Uh, for you as an actor, is, the, is that part of what drives you then? Is that what motivates you to keep doing what you do? Or is there something else?
1: It's what I'm still finding. It's what I'm still finding. And luckily I'm finding more and more of it. And I'm, I'm, I'm able, to, I'm going home more evenings happier with my Day's performance, because I was more childlike, because I let my imagination fly more, because I was able to to be more fluid on the day, um, and so it's just I think it's you know 20 years later still learning the craft and trying to I think the ultimate is to feel like I mean it, it, someone else has said this it's hard work but hard work when you get it done is really fun <laughs> and it, to to remember that we are telling a the story there is a magic to it all. Um, that doesn't mean you, you don't look at your your lines. I got another story I'll tell another time of when I thought that's the kind of actor I was, that I didn't need to look at my lines, that I could just show up and be my man and do it. Well, that works until they hand you two pages for the day's scene, and it's in Spanish. <laughs> so I learned that 18 years ago. <laughs> so you get really prepared. You handle your stuff, and then you show up, and you know it well enough to throw it out in the, in the middle of the river and, and see what happens.
2: Okay, so I want to get soon to audience questions, but before we do that, um, let's do one more clip uh, from the film, and then we're gonna ask audience questions.
0: I will preface this one really quickly. Um, These are out of sequential order. We wanted to show you that other one first, just for some reasons, but, uh, so this next scene actually happens before the, the one you just saw. This is when the boys first meet Mud. Now I like
1: you two boys. You remind me of me. Seeing as how you two is from Arkansas and we know some of the same people and we grew up in some of the same places, I reckon we can make a deal for something. A deal for what? Food. Food for a boat. He's a bum, Ellis. Come on. Why don't you go get your own food? Well, I would if I could. See, I told somebody I'd meet him here, so... Well, I'm stuck for now and what I got's running low. He's a bum, Ellis. Come on. I ain't no bum. I got money, boy. You can call me a hobo because a hobo works for his living. You can call me homeless because, well, that's true for now. But you call me a bum again, I'm going to teach you something about respect your daddy never did.
2: All right, let's let's turn this over to the crowd and let's see what uh, kind of questions they have. Yeah, uh, I've been waiting to ask this question since I saw your sight and sound list of favorite movies, and you were the only one that had Cool Hand Luke on there, which is my favorite movie. Surely not. Sadly, yeah, it really depressed me. Uh, But I was asking this because you cast McConaughey, who I consider very much like Paul Newman, and the name Mud, too. Also, I was seeing if there's a homage to HUD, by any chance. Everything
0: I do is an homage to Paul Newman. Um, (laughs) You can't get away from it. Uh, I I am not a film encyclopedia. I You know, some, I think, directors you meet, they can name anything. and I, I find the films I like, and I watch them over and over and over again. And any list that I ever make, you know, because people ask me all the time, always, you know, Cool Hand Luke, Hud, The Hustler, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, you just can't get away from them. And I think the thing that Newman and, and Matthew have in common is, you know, they're these guys that are, are likable people. You can just tell. It, it comes out of them. Um, it comes through the screen, into your brain, and you like them. But that's not the end of the story. When, uh, as a storyteller, what I want to do is take that and then, then build off of it. And so you put them in a role that is questionable, and, and maybe their motives are questioned. And all of a sudden, it becomes this, this complex compound statement um, but they're able to kind of keep you keep you there through all that. And I think Newman could do that. I think Matthew does that. So, um, yeah, thanks for asking. I, you didn't talk about Fletch. I thought you were going to talk about Fletch. I was the only one that put Fletch on there, too.
1: Hi. First of all, thanks for coming out today. Um, my
2: my first question is for Jeff. What inspired this movie and the story?
0: Yeah, Um. you know... To be honest, the very first thing I found, I was walking through the Little Rock Public Library in Arkansas and I found a a photo essay um, about life on the Arkansas and White River. And it had uh, these people in houseboats, it had some commercial fishermen, and it was a part of my home state that I'd never seen before. And that's really what sparked it. Uh, I had to go down there and figure it out. And it's really cool when you're from some place and you think you know it like the back of your hand to then go find this entire subculture of people living on houseboats uh, that you never knew before. And that, that was the foundation for it. Um, that's got me thinking about the river and, 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 and other things. So that was it.
1: Um, and, Matt, what was your first reaction when you read the script? First reaction when I read the script. Really well written one. Um, I hadn't read a character like that. Uh, there was a magical realism to it uh, that was, um, made me feel very young, which the character is a heart, is very young. There's a there was a real innocence to it, but an honesty, not a naivete, about it. And one of the things, and it sort of harps back to what I was saying earlier. You see the film, you do. You, I think you can tell a lot about who you are as a man. There's a th- th- there's so many places that sto- that this kind of story can go to sentiment. I've seen it, and I don't I've I don't like those. I don't I don't find those. I don't like. I don't think it's humanity. I don't think it's I think it's a, when it goes to that Hallmark card at the wrong time, I think he goes, ah, why, why didn't you just hang on? And you know, so in this, his story, you know, the, the, uh, the even when it's bullets, they land. Uh, the, mom, the mom and dad, if, if, if they're having trouble, they're gonna get a divorce. In the end of this story, they don't get all back together. It doesn't really happen. They, maybe they will later, but not in this summer. This summer. This is however many weeks or months it was. And so I found it very human. And everybody, the other thing is everybody, even the so-called bad guys, the, 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 the ones you're rooting against, they've got good reason to be doing what they're doing. Everyone's got clear incentive and motivation for what they're doing, even if it's wrong, even if it's bad, even if it's against the person you're rooting for. You understand where they're coming from and you go, yeah, I can understand you taking that action. So, in that way, it wasn't convenient. And that's the other thing that happens in a lot of films. or are stories, scripts that aren't written as well. They'll throw in a convenience and, and, and make the bad guy the cookie-cutter bad guy, because well, he looks mean. That's why you'll trust he's bad. You know, no, you understand why everyone's doing what they're doing in this film.
2: My question is for Jeff. Um, it seems to be an excellent film, uh, and uh, I'm curious if... Uh, Tom Sir and uh, Huckleberry Finn been any of inspiration, I guess, to that?
0: Certainly, yeah. Um, yeah, in fact, you know, it goes beyond just inspiration. I actually I stole some things. Um, which I, I think is fine, um, obviously. Uh, there's a scene in the film when they, when they first discover Mudd's character, they see boot prints. That have a cross in the heel it's really just nails that he has in his heel uh, to make the shape of a cross and that was directly stolen uh, from the way that the boys would recognize huck's father um, they would always know he was around and also this is more just trivia uh, tom blankenship is the name of the character played by sam Shepard, which was the real life name of the boy that mark twain based tom sawyer off of but those are just more kind of fun facts really what What Mark Twain, who I consider to be one of the greatest writers ever to have lived and written, um, what he was able to do, especially in Tom Sawyer, was bottle what it felt like to be a child. Um, You know, not just a child of that period or anything else. Like, it feels like um, childhood, just reading it. And and I wanted to try and do that from a period in my life. I wanted to try and bottle it. And and that's what I got from Twain, you know. not to mention wit and, and everything else but
2: hello i saw the movie at atlanta film festival and i second the motion a whiff of huckleberry finn and definitely magic in the bottle it's, it's awesome we all loved it my question is for mr mcconaway uh, i understand that you have a pretty open mind as far as working with indie filmmaker what will it take to get you to come down with this AeroStream of yours to Miami and uh, perhaps join us in a couple of projects? <laughs> dot, dot, dot.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> probably want to probably read something first. <laughs> but, uh, Good. If, if, if I can find out how to send something for you to read, uh, I'll be more than happy be- to do it. Very easy. Uh, Lady right here. All right.
0: I'll have Thank you it. know, I sent this script in 2008.
2: So, <laughs> be patient. There's, there's a waiting list. Is there a waiting list, Matthew? <laughs> Hi, this looks like a really interesting movie, and my question is for Matthew. I'm wondering, how did you prepare for this character? Did you base this on someone in your life, or was this a
1: creative process to get into the role of Mud? There was nobody that I, that I knew that I could base it on. Um, I talked a lot with this man who who created the character. Um, and he sort of, I mean, it was, it was obvious. It was really well written, even the screen direction. And a lot of times you can have a really good script, but you, as an actor, you want to get rid of the screen direction right away. Just because you want to make your own choices and, and, and figure out where they, how they get and what they do and what they don't do. The screen direction was very good in this and told a lot. We've talked a lot about movement. Talked a lot about how Mud, as you saw in that second clip, you know, he'll start, he's on the move when he's throwing a line out to the kids. He's, you know, he's yelling over his back shoulder, y'all coming? And that, that, something like that, if you take that literally, it can, you put a blanket over an entire character. It says a lot about who they are. If, you know, he does he appear in places he, well, he didn't drop out of the sky but how did he get there um, so then there are from that if you got a guy like that then I go well that guy doesn't really he doesn't really look you in the eye a lot does he you know what I mean so you find synonymous things and imagination starts to run so you take the literal what's on the page and then let the imagination start to run um, and then you have fun creating fun stories well, he's got a chipped tooth huh Chiptooth, how would he get on the island? How long's he been there? And then it was for me the fun part I think personally was going back and understanding the, the the heart of this guy, which is who I was who we all were when we were fourteen. Before you learn worse about love, you know, before you learn how to protect your broken heart. You know what I mean? So this is a guy who Ellis is the character who's at that time where he's beaten against the ceiling of reality. Mud is the guy who's Who's my age, and is never going to come back down to reality when it comes to love. Thank goodness, you know. So, in that, what that told me was where this guy. I said, if he ever gets grounded. Actually, if he ever, I won't say it because it would be a spoiler. But if he ever gets grounded, he ever so-called got the girl. If he ever if they ever really got together, it'd be over. He'd die. Now, keep it in that. I don't want to say too much, but there are things that. You know, one, the literal informs the imaginative, and then you come back. And then he was always there to, to share stuff with and always had really good comments. And if I was doing something that wasn't exactly how he saw it, which we were pretty much in sync, you know?
0: Yeah, I don't really remember.
1: I don't remember ever really going, oh, that's just off. You know? um, um, so that was it, though. Going back to being, I remember when I was 14, before it made sense. You know, before, before, you, before, before you started thinking from the shoulders up when it came to affairs of the heart.
2: Uh, Hi there, thank you very much for uh, coming to present this. It seems like a a fantastic film. I guess uh, a question from an Oklahoma Sooner to a Texas Longhorn, Um, Mr. McConaughey. uh, (laughs) You mentioned earlier about how you like to be challenged by getting outside the comfort zone, and I imagine for many actors that's the case. And I guess this is a question for both of you and Mr. Nichols, how far out of the comfort zone do you see yourself going to the point where someone like Mr. Nichols says, great idea, but this makes no commercial sense, or you know, how far do you, can you take that outside the comfort zone? I'll, I'll, I'll speak to what I can
1: on that, on that point. There's a, sometimes people go out of the comfort zone, they synonymize that with being eccentric. And then sometimes there are people that I know that make choices for eccentricity's sake. I don't think there's a real value in that. I don't think it's making a choice from the subjective place. Um, do do I measure, you know, oh, how commercial could this be? Do we do we make it? I mean, these kind of films are number one, just just really really difficult to get to get made in the first place. Um, a lot of the films I know I've been doing lately were not easy ones. No one's sitting over there lining up going, take our money, please, to get a maid. Um, I've, I mean, as an analogy, I've always said, I've, I'd, I like, I enjoy the characters that are on this so-called feeder road, being from Oklahoma, you know what I'm talking about, that have access to the autobahn, that, have ac- that could have access to a mainstream common denominator in mankind that people go, oh, I get that. I, uh, everyone can get that. And that's usually on a, on a, on a if, we, if I can find the humanity in it, that is in that, in that, on, the, on the freeway, so to speak, that everyone can understand. Um, but it is a bit of an, an outside the lines character. I'd, I'd, I like that better because usually those characters have their own personal politics. They're not placating or pandering to what the norm or what society says they have to do. And so there's a, there's a certain pleasure that comes with those fringe type characters. And if you can still give them the humanity that anyone can understand, you know? So, I guess if that, that's one way of answering your question. But not say, you know, out of the box, different characters, how different. I'm not looking to be eccentric for ex- eccentricity's sake. I'm not looking to go, wow, that'd be really weird, wouldn't it? I don't, that, I wouldn't know where, I get no fuel from that. That doesn't turn me on. It's just other than. I'm not trying to do things because I can. I'm into doing things because I kind of want to now. And that just, you know, that's, I've been there before where I did things because I could, <laughs> you know. So, I'm trying to work from the, because I want to.
0: Hey Matthew, uh,
1: it's great to meet you. Um, since you are the sexiest man in the world, what's your secret? Alive.
2: <laughs> That's what it said on cover. <laughs> so she said, "What's your secret?" That was what, her question. What was what? What's your secret? She said. What's your
1: secret of being the sexiest, the sexiest man, man in the alive. world?
0: <laughs> Give us some take I that one? I can leave. Give the us some pearls question. of
1: wisdom. That's a great question. Can you help me? Exercise. Yeah. I'm just. I'll yeah. throw yeah. some out there yeah. until you grab one. Clean it. socks. Clean living. Kind of clean living. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Not too clean living, but just clean up. Oh, I, 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 Sense humor will go with that easy one right there.
2: Do you guys live? Uh, do you guys live in Texas? Do you live in Austin? I do, I do, yes. I do as well. Does that make things a little easier, being outside of, I don't know?
0: It does for into. me. You know, I made that decision pretty early on. I wasn't a New York or an L.A. kind of guy, and, and I, but I'm real lucky. I kind of threaded a tough needle to thread, and I get to, I get to hang out in Austin. It's nice. It's a fun place.
2: The film is called Mud, and those here in New York, um, in the Apple Store here in Soho, will have a chance to see it very soon. Coming this Friday, you can see it. Uh, Those listening in on iTunes should check the film's website for um, release dates. And the website, if someone, I'm looking over to my left. um, Nationwide Friday. Check it out. Go see it, please. And thank you. uh, Let me just please join me in thanking Matthew McConaughey and Jeff Nichols.
0: Guys, join me together in thanking our panel. And once again, thanking you guys for being such a great audience. Thank you so much.